0: Good morning. You know, each of those songs that we just sang with started with silence, with an artist facing a blank page or a still piano. Each of those songs came to be because someone was brave enough to export a vision from within. And believe it or not, there is vast creative potential in each of you. I heard those Mad Libs at the beginning. We got ideas out there, and today we're going to continue our conversation on surrender by looking at release as an essential, perhaps the essential part, of the creative process. And before any of you protest that you're simply not creative, I want to hit you with some science. Alex Osborne, author of Your Creative Power, writes that an analysis of almost all the psychological tests ever made points to the conclusion that creative talent is normally distributed, that all of us possess this talent. The difference is only in degree, and that degree is largely influenced by effort. In the last year, all of us were forced into creativity when we had to, you know, change the way we did everything, from our jobs to our family rhythms to how we celebrated birthdays and other landmarks. And many of us, I think, are seeking to be creative now as we emerge from our cocoons. I mean, how many times have you heard people say over the past few months, I just don't want to go back to the way things were. So much has been revealed to us in the past year. Far too much for us to stay the same. I think about one of our ANC virtual community members, Carissa, who was moved along with a small group of parents in her community to initiate a conversation with the superintendent about how to address racism in their school district. And Carissa bravely cold-called some other parents to see who might be willing to team up and brainstorm. And while she would be quick to tell you that, of course, this is very slow work, their efforts have already spawned three teams, one working within the district, one working to educate the community and raise awareness, and one team of students who they've empowered to create art that expresses their longing for a more equitable world. I think we have a picture of the mural they've created that is going to go up in their town. The district has also initiated a mandatory implicit bias training for all teachers next year. Now, of course, this is going to be multi-year deep work, but it all began with their spark. And Carissa said, would you really call that creativity? I say yes. For the purposes of our conversation today, creativity is making something new, or as Stephen Sondheim would say, making a hat where there was never a hat. And it's one of the characteristics we share with our God, of course, for our creator is just that, a maker who loves to surprise and delight us with creation. So that's why we have 400,000 types of flowers, because we inhabit a world that is oriented toward beauty, wonder, and complexity. And as believers and doubters, we are compelled by a vision of our unfinished world, a vision of the kingdom of God, or the companionship of mutual empowerment, as we call it around here. This vision, Jesus tells us in Luke, already exists in each of us. Now while today's reading isn't a parable explicitly about the creative process, it is about old things giving way to new. And the growth of God's kingdom includes our creative collaboration, so that will be the lens that we look through today. Let's take a look at this reading together. This is the parable of the growing seed in Mark four twenty six through 29. He also said, The kingdom of God is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground and would sleep and rise night and day, and the seed would sprout and grow. He does not know how. The earth produces of itself, first the stalk, then the head, then the full grain in the head. But when the grain is ripe, at once he goes in with his sickle, because the harvest has come. Now, this isn't how I would ever describe the experience of making something new. Yeah, basically, I just toss it out there, I go to bed, I wake up, and it's yielded like this huge harvest. And I don't know how it happened, but I got to go grab my sickle. Like, never one time has anything I've made felt that way. Where's the part where the seed scatterer locks himself in a room and doesn't change clothes for two weeks? Where are all the rough draft seeds? I don't see the seed scatterer wrapped with insecurity and despair. All I see the Seed Scatterer doing here is scattering, releasing. So what is the relationship between human initiative and God's grace? What invitation might this story hold for those of us who seek to usher forth new life? I want to consider those questions as we walk through the creative process. And this process is different for everyone. You're going to get a window into mine. But it might normalize some of what you may be experiencing as we all try to build back better. And maybe we'll see how the hope of this little story of the growing seed can guide us through resistance along the way. So we begin in wonder, in dreamland. Ideas float along overhead like balloons, untethered from the world of budgets and schedules. Thank you, Kaelin. Often they come to us. Nailed it! Nailed it, Kaelin! Oh, yeah, she knows how to be a flower girl. Often, ideas come to us in the form of what-ifs. What if my child's classroom was more equitable, Carissa asked? What if I threw a dinner for a bunch of folks who would never normally cross paths? What if there were a song that captured the possibility of hope on the other side of grief? What if there was a Spanish-speaking, affirming faith community in Austin? Those are all questions that have been asked by people in our community. Now, many of our ideas never get planted, and we all have a graveyard of what-ifs. And part of why many of us never make it past this stage is because of what has to happen next. I'll never forget when my sister and I came up with the idea for our 2 women show. I could take you right to the little Mexican restaurant in the West Village in New York, where we jotted it all down on a napkin. There's nothing so exhilarating as catching an idea. We thought, what if... We told a story using the action figures that we played with growing up on like a magical, unfolding, dollhouse-sized set in the shape of a tree that would fit in the trunk of our Jeep so that we could tour it to living rooms across the country. I mean, brilliant, right? So this was our idea. So then we go home, back to reality, and we have to like build a magical, unfolding, dollhouse-sized set in the shape of a tree that will fit in the trunk of our Jeep. We try to pin the idea down. We have to, right? It has has no substance in the air, no skin, no shoes, no meat. But when we try to translate our wild and unbound imagination into only three dimensions, something is always lost, at least at first. We don't ever have the right words or colors or tools to quite capture the beauty and the wonder with which the idea first announced itself. And this stage of the creative process, which I call translation, in which we first attempt to describe the song in our heads, can leave us quite discouraged. So this is the first opportunity we have to release, like the one who scatters the seeds and trusts that the earth knows what to do next. We can choose to release our dissatisfaction that a seed doesn't look like a fruit right away and press on anyhow, or we can choose to repress. And in this context, I use that word to mean to inhibit the development of the thing and send the idea back where it came from. But fair warning, for those who continue, things will only get worse. Because after our first few failed attempts at sketching the outline of the idea, we have to fill it out. And I have tried a thousand other ways to do this, but there does not seem to be any other route to the first iteration besides going through the messy middle. It doesn't matter how many times you've made something new before, you've never made this exact, unrepeatable thing, and so you're starting from scratch every time. It is here that you will lose all faith in the idea. You will also lose all faith in yourself. This is a great place to stop. By the way, if you've ever made something and you didn't have to go through this part, just keep that to yourself. Uh, This is where people you live with will start to worry about you. Have you looked in the mirror recently? When's the last time you ate? This stage lasts on average forever. And again, this part offers you very, very convincing reasons to repress. Self-doubt, fear, perfectionism, all my demons come out in the messy middle. And the only way to get to the next better draft is to release the first one in all of its untidiness. Now, should you survive it, by the end of the messy middle, you will have something, a tiny, distorted, ugly, fragile something For how hard you worked for it, you really thought it would be bigger and better. And at this point, you may make the terrible but important decision to show what you've made to someone. Let's call this first glance. Now, this mom or spouse or friend or teacher usually has no idea how much power they hold in that moment of first seeing and responding to a brand new seed. So I need you all to be my critics for a second, and read the words on the screen when I cue you. These are your lines. Should I come to you to share my messy thing, and you say, or you say, or you say, Okay, so then I would have a lot of great reasons to repress the vision, wouldn't I? Quick side note, should you ever be the first glance on someone else's brand new project or draft or initiative, just know that your words have great power. Here's some good questions to frame your response. Let's read these out loud together. What do I appreciate? What do I wonder? What do I want more of? Thank you. These questions might guide you towards the kind of response that can help nurture something that's trying to grow. But not all critics will be so thoughtful, and so they may cause you to think long and hard before planting that seed. And so there is something, too, at this stage that must be released. And this is the hardest one for me. That's the attachment of our self-worth to the thing that we're making. Only when we can separate and release our identity from our idea Can we receive feedback with equanimity? Should you make it through the first glance? Well, then you're back to your something. And now you're on to the what isn't this stage. And this is where you actually start to form a shape out of the blob. You're excavating the treasure by deciding what it's not. Some people call this killing your darlings. And writers will tell you they throw away far more pages than they keep. You know there are 13 songs that got cut from Hamilton? You will discover more about what you are making every time you decide what you are not making. I have a family friend named Beth who courageously launched a nonprofit designed to help moms work their way out of poverty by earning a reliable income, Moms in Nicaragua. And from the beginning, her vision was to help women at the very bottom of the socioeconomic pyramid, those who were earning less than $2 a day. This is who she saw other similar initiatives were excluding. But partnering with folks in this demographic comes with a lot of challenges. And so when she would meet with potential funders, she heard over and over, why don't you just shift your target up a notch and go after women who are earning 3 to $6 a day. Then you won't have to deal with all those issues and you'll be able to serve way more people. But Beth's vision wasn't breadth. It was depth. It was sustainability. And it was to go and serve those women who were living in extreme poverty, those who traditional support systems had ignored. So I watched her reiterate over and over what her idea wasn't in order to discover and implement what it was. And today, I think we have a picture of Rosa. Supply Hope serves 50 women, not 5,000, but all of them went from earning less than $2 a day to an average of $8 a day, and they're receiving holistic support on their journey out of poverty. So this stage, too, is an act of release. Your new thing won't reach all people. It won't communicate all things. It won't solve all problems. It won't be the entire kingdom of God. It's a seed. We must release our outsized expectations and our supersized sense of self, too. So what if release is the doorway to the next stage of growth? Every step of the process. What I'm beginning to see through this story is the incredible fertility and receptivity of the spirit filled earth. The parable says the earth produces of itself. Iliadelio writes that creation is not something that happened at the beginning of time, but is rather the continuing relationship of the world to its transcendent ground. Do you believe we inhabit a world that is ready to evolve? Do you? Oh, I believe in God as the initiator and source of my inspiration, but if I'm honest, I live with little faith in the receptivity of our world to accept or cultivate that which I might initiate. So I tighten my grip, I check on the seed obsessively, and most of all, my refusal to release robs me from delighting in the process. Like, I think I would enjoy it a lot more if I stopped believing I had to do it all that's when we get to experience the wonder of the part that only the Spirit of God can play in bringing something new to bear. I've often heard the creative process compared to giving birth. And as a young playwright living in New York, whose understanding of birth was only the dramatic parts that I had seen on TV, I really felt like that was an apt metaphor. Art hurts. I've, I Nothing new can be born without pain and struggle and screaming and tears. But now, that symbolism is taking on new meaning for me. My husband and I are expecting our first child later this year. (laughs) And yeah, around here, if you don't want Trey to share your news, you kind of have to get out in front of it. (laughs) Uh, So so I'm experiencing all that comes before the big day. And the thing I cannot get over is how much growth is happening without my conscious efforts. My baby's organs are forming, and my app tells me it's a different sized fruit every week, and somehow this little life is thriving, just like the parable says, while I rise and while I sleep, night and day, the seed sprouts, and I do not know how. I thought I had to dictate and micromanage for anything new to come to bear, and I am being reminded daily that a big part of creating anything is surrender. Good parents tell me this will prove itself true again and again. When we release control throughout the process, then we prepare ourselves for the surprise of the harvest. Let's close by taking a peek at the very next parable. You're probably familiar with this one, the parable of the mustard seed. He also said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable will we use for it? It is like a mustard seed, which, when sown upon the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet, when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs and puts forth large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. Are you ready for the thing you hoped you might grow to astonish you? Here's where we get to release the last bit, our expectations and our control over how the new creation will be received. We don't know when or how or where it will land, So we get to begin and end the process in wonder. We don't need to see the fruit to be faithful to the seed. When Joe and I finally built our magical unfolding dollhouse, I set in the shape of a tree that would fit in the trunk of our Jeep. I think we have a picture of it. And I can't take any credit for this. My sister is the maker and designer. But we hoped that this would be our ticket. Like we fantasized we might be discovered. So we planned our West Coast tour very strategically, asking friends to host shows and invite fancy people, you know, some Disney people, some Nickelodeon people. But who they invited, mainly, was children. After all, it was a play with action figures on a dollhouse I set. I can't really blame them. But I wish I could say that I took great joy sharing our story with these kids and their families. I wish I could tell you we didn't get in the car and whine about all our hard work being for naught. But it wasn't until halfway through the tour when a parent sent me a picture of the miniature world her children and their friends stayed up creating the night after we left their house that I realized that maybe the harvest was something far stranger and richer and more meaningful than I could have imagined. For as long as we define a successful harvest, there we have a picture of it. I like the cats, I think they add a lot. For as long as we define a successful harvest as fame, influence, and wealth, we'll never see the fruit of the kingdom of God. We'll just miss it. The story of how we came to have a COVID vaccine in a year further illustrates the surprise of the harvest. Obviously, scientists and engineers are some of the most creative problem solvers in our world. And this vaccine had actually been in development long before COVID-19, Though, of course, this group of scientists didn't know that's what they were creating it for. It began with tragedy. A vaccine for another virus that shared similar genomes with COVID killed two infants in a trial over a decade ago. And scientist Barney Graham and his colleagues were haunted by this. And their work in the years that followed led to a huge breakthrough in the understanding of how to neutralize the impact of such a virus. So when COVID-19 came along, Barney Graham told Dr. Fauci he could have the vaccine ready within a year because he already had the foundation built. His 12 years of trial and error and failure and faithfulness were preparing him with a critical answer to a question that hadn't even been asked yet. We don't need to see the fruit to be faithful to the seed. So I wonder, what has been incubating in you this past year? It's probably not the size of a scientific breakthrough or a new business venture. It may be simply a new family commitment, a shift in your workplace, a way to work towards greater justice in your corner of the world. Maybe you are holding on to a balloon, and you need the nudge to release the idea into the world and, bring the, and begin the journey of bringing it to fruition. Or maybe you've already been trying to bring something new to bear, and the fight through the messy middle has you tempted to clench your hands around the seed and go back to the way things were. Today, I hope you hear that the messy middle is the only way through to the beauty on the other side. May you release control over the process and your need to have it just right, right now. Or perhaps you're not feeling that pulse of creativity within. That's okay, too. But I bet there is someone in your world who is quietly fighting through this process. And believe me, there is no better gift to someone who is enduring the resistance of creation than to hear the words, I believe in this. How can I help? Perhaps your invitation today is to come alongside and champion those who are ushering forth new life. I can't get over that heaven might have our fingerprints on it that the God of the universe would choose to collaborate with us in ushering forth his kingdom, the vision of which is planted already in each of us. Will we be faithful to bring forth the seeds we have been given? And when we meet with resistance, will we choose to release rather than repress, trusting the spirit-filled earth to play her part while we rise and while we sleep? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Thank you that you would choose to partner with us in this grand project of redeeming and restoring our world. Thank you for the ideas and dreams and visions you plant in each of us. Today, would you empower us and give us the courage to take that next step in bringing forth new life? Would you give us the posture of open-handedness and release when we run into resistance. In your name we pray.